Howdy, hobos, all you conscious astral travelers of the Universal Railroad. I am honored and thrilled that you found your way here today. My name is Mark. I'll be your camp host. Welcome to Hobo Safe Camp. Now you're going to want to find yourself a comfortable place to sit today around the virtual campfire because we're about to go deep. We are joined by Nick, also known as Psychedelia Hates You on Instagram. Go follow him right now. He's hunkered down in New Orleans, waiting to see if this storm is going to actually materialize and turn into something. So, And while you're following him, go follow his collaborative art project, which is called Real Nice People, and it is at Real Nice PPL. Your mind will be blown. Now, he's going to take us to a little bit darker place than we typically go here on the virtual campfire. But I think the vibrations of the current time are actually kind of pulling us to this. Like, this is exactly where we need to explore. But before we get started, um, I want to take a few minutes to go over a few things that are happening here at Open Lines Radio. First, dinner with friends. If you are in the Los Angeles area, or will will be or can be in the Los Angeles area on September 1st, that's 2019 for all of you who are listening in the future, uh, please consider joining us for dinner. We've done this before in the past. It was so great to meet meet up face-to-face with people um, that really only communicate in the digital realm and to just kind of uh, share energy. So just go to at Open Lines Radio on Instagram. Follow Open Lines Radio on Instagram if you don't. And send a direct message just letting me know that you're interested. And I will give you the location and the details. Um, it's easygoing. Everyone just buys their own meal, um, eats what they want to eat. And we share a little energy with some like-minded people. I'd also like to remind you about www.openlinesradio.com. You can go there and listen to all of the Open Lines Radio programming. You can find links to your favorite podcasting platform. Uh, You can donate. You can uh, shop at the Open Lines Radio store. Uh, Your generous donations are what keep us going and keep this thing advertisement-free. There have been temptation to monetize open lines radio and I just can't get myself to do it so um, please uh, support us what else oh if you're interested in adding your voice to open lines radio we'd love to hear from you again just go to at open lines radio on Instagram and send me a message letting me know that you're ready to join the collective and I will let you know what to do and don't forget to follow me mark on Instagram at tincan.telephone okay let's get to it this is kind of a long one we went places man Nick takes us to places that we seldom acknowledge exist, and he breaks open some conspiracies that might help you make sense of some of the thoughts you've been having in the current state of the world, and how it seems like the average person has become a mindless zombie with no other purpose other than consumption. Oh, and you're going to hear some silence in a couple of places. Some silence in some really pivotal moments where the connection was cut. Was it the powers that be trying to silence the message? Or was it simply the limitations of technology and the impact of weather? We may never know. But let's jump right into it with both feet, shall we? My dear fellow astral vagabonds, please pick up that old rusty tin can telephone with the tattered string that stretches through the multiverse and despite the fury of Mother Nature, refuses to snap. Nick, ramble on. I'm just a rambling hobo, I ramble all along, 
I'm just a rambling hobo. I ramble all alone. Ain't got no one to love me. No place to call my home. Anyway, man, uh, yeah, I'm glad to finally be able to be. It's a real privilege to be on the line with you, like to even be able to talk to you because I've seen your station and your platform grow tremendously like since I've started following you which was you know about a year ago I'd say yeah it's been crazy it's it's uh, it's been fun too awesome it has to be I mean I'm, <laughs> I'm very very excited and privileged to have an opportunity to be a part of it for sure like it's it's uh it's a really beautiful thing I remember when I believe when we first met uh your handle on Instagram met on the internet, so to speak, you know, your handle on Instagram, if I'm not mistaken, was Art Bell is dead. Yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That dude. See, I didn't know who Art Bell was at the time. Oh, and sent me down a rabbit hole of very interesting uh, journalistic history, and now I, I know slightly more. Although, you know, I'd, I'd love, I'd probably, you know, in another, another <clears throat> excuse me, in another conversation, I'd, I'd like to, uh, to hear from you uh, more about him from your perspective. But, um, you know, from what I know, he was a journalist who was very uh, avid about the truth, you know? Um, yeah, and, and it was more about um, giving a, a platform to, to people that, like, mainstream media wouldn't allow speak, conspiracies and things exactly. like that. And so he was big in my life just because I had a lot of... Uh, trips across the desert where that was the only station that would come in in the middle of the night and it was coast to coast a.m. and it would be on from like 10 p.m. till 2 a.m. I think. And wow. It was like this perfect timing while I was driving, you know, through the desert on this series of trips and just li that's what, the, what kept me awake was just listening to that, listening to Art Bell, you know, going through the darkness, <laughs> driving through the darkness. Excellent. What era was that? Like That would have been... Early nineties. So, yeah, I was born in ninety three, so that's like surreal to me. Like I'm, I'm very envious. Like I'm not gonna lie. Like my brothers, I, I have uh, two brothers. They're uh, my, they're they are not my twin brothers, but they themselves are fraternal twins, and they're thirteen years older than me. And I'm so uh -huh. envious because, like, from the time I was three years old, I remember them being like sixteen. And uh, I actually recently watched a Jonah Hill movie, uh, early nineties, which. Or mid nineties, I believe it's called. Yeah, yeah mid nineties. Excuse me. Uh, and it's it's excellent, by the way. It's it does a perfect job of. Uh, it's a very nostalgia jerking movie, but you know it's it's he's most certainly an auteur. Like I was impressed by his filmmaking skills, but uh, you know it, it brought back this wave of just being like three, four years old and looking up to my brothers, like you know who are kind of like skateboarder, you know, typical mid 90s teenagers and uh you know it it uh it's just an era that i missed you know but yeah. i saw it from afar it, it was it was like the last generation that was allowed to go outside yeah like i mean you guys had like real raves that were like tre <laughs> like like scavenger hunts to get to a warehouse like that that's so cool you had ecstasy that you know you didn't have to like either put reagents on or just guess that it's not poison, you know? <laughs> right, right. I feel like you guys, you know, had a, a really nice, um... By the way, I'd like to introduce my, uh, my wife Zoe is in the background. If you hear someone laughing, um, we're, like I said, uh, relocated to a hotel room right now. We're a bit displaced, but 
you know, I just wanted to introduce her because she is my lifelong companion. I can tell you that. Nice. I don't know how long. And, and here's the funny thing is I know her I I know her name um, just because you talk about her on your Instagram page, yeah. which is Psychedelia Hates You, which people should follow. Yeah. But I only know you as Psychedelia Hates You. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay. And look, I'd like to clear that up first and foremost. That's actually something great to uh, to to raise the question because I kind of play with my Instagram name a lot. But that's my handle. But, uh, you know, I don't want it to, like, haunt me as something people call me. So, you know, my my uh i guess the closest you know i want to get to my government name is nick n-i-c it's real simple uh, you know i used to go by the k but my phone name doesn't have a k in it so i just dropped the k i figured you know n-i-c is, is you know a lot of people know a lot of nicks but you know that this is nick without the k right. so it's you know, when it's in people's phones, they won't have to be like, oh, is it this nigga, that nigga. <laughs> they I'd know the nick. Practical answer. But my stage name, like, as Psychedelia Hates You, is uh, uh, Sly with, like, uh, a P. Or, I mean, if if we're talking, like, stylization, like, you know, Wikipedia lists, like, stylized, like, as. Um, the P is, like, actually a Cairo. Like, the PX. Yeah. Right. The symbol for uh, the early, like, like uh like i guess like roman era christian symbol um which i i i kind of protracted it um it it just means what it means to me you know it's not necessarily like some sort of i'm certainly no bible thumper nor am i a theologian um that's another story for another day but yeah <laughs> so i mean you can certainly we used to call me nick and uh you know uh like my i guess my stage name or whatever like the thing i release music under say is sly but you know I'll, also i have a slight lisp so i hate saying sly so i don't <laughs> mind other people calling me that but i don't really refer to myself like out loud as that so much <laughs> right right so, no, that's whatever. what other that's what other it's it's not cool when you call yourself by your nickname yeah, no, I don't go around. Other people hey, say it. I'm, I'm, okay, so I'm from New Orleans, and, like, I know a lot of street kids, and I love street kids, man. I, I have a lot of love for them, and they get a lot of, um, unfortunately, they get a lot of flack. Even from otherwise sensible people who are like, oh, they, you know, they have rich parents, this and that, and they choose to live on the streets in poverty. And, look, I understand from their perspective, like, having that opinion and and i respect where they're coming from but what they should understand is that i've sat down and talked to some of these kids and the homes that they're running away from money or no money is you know is often rife with abuse with trauma with honestly unspeakable things certain things i won't get into just yet on here because it's all speculative but honestly i think you know what i'm talking about like it th things are kind of coming to a hilt with this whole Jeffrey Epstein thing right, and right. you know everything else is it's it's sort of a house of cards if you will cuz it's kind of funny cuz Kevin Spacey wrote the Lolita Express didn't he or he was at least a close friend of Jeffrey Epstein so uh to say that it's a house of cards following is a bit <laughs> but uh you know <laughs> it is what it is um all i know is that these kids typically and I, I'm, I've met both like train hopping kids, uh, people hitchhike, 
Oh, I'm not. I sound country. Uh, I've met both because I'm listing multiple. I've met, you know, train hopping kids, people who hitchhike, um, home bones, as they call themselves, people who just, you know, kind of just stay there and hold down the fort, but don't have a house and stay in and out of housing and try to, you know, hold down jobs and get housing, but often struggle with alcoholism and coping with trauma. And I see, I've seen this a lot. I, I don't so much go out downtown New Orleans anymore because it's just become it's turned into a different place. Um, if I'm being completely honest, and sometimes it makes me a bit uncomfortable for a number of reasons. But all these people that I've seen, I mean, they're, they're you know they're out there trying to escape the most unspeakable things and for these people to sit in a position of privilege and be like oh well they choose that it was like well what would you choose are you sure that you would choose to live with you know maybe wealthy or you know supportive financially but abusive parents i'm not sure you know i can't say because i wasn't in their position but i i really frown upon uh and i see it a lot in internet forum discussions but i hear it in real life from people who you know, or like, oh, well, if they're homeless because, you know, they're a veteran, it's this or that. But if it's because they just ran away from mommy and daddy, I'm like, well, you know, what if daddy was creeping into their room at night or something? Yeah. Then, you know, I, I don't blame them at all. In fact, I have a lot of a lot of uh, sympathy and respect for their strength to be able to run away from that because a lot of people don't um, and they wind up running from themselves. But I'm not trying to get too heavy here. <laughs> well, no, but it, it makes sense because, it, like, if, if somebody comes from a place of wealth and privilege and they, quote-unquote, choose to live on the street, like, what does that tell you about where they came from? Like, that, instead of saying, like, these stupid fucking kids that are choosing this, like, you should be saying, why would they choose that exactly. over that other life? And truly trying to examine why. And the only way to truly try to examine that is by talking to them. And almost all of them drink. And, you know, uh, it's it's an old grandma saying, like, you know, uh, you know, once, you're, once your eyes are red, once you're drunk, you know, you, you can't, can't keep a lie. And I've seen the honesty and the pain in these people's eyes when they tell me their stories. There are reasons they are on the street. But... My my point being, now the now to lighten the subject matter a little bit, a lot of them have these nicknames because they probably maybe they don't like their you know the names that maybe the names that they were given bring back certain memories whatever it doesn't matter to me but sometimes their names are like preposterous things like spider and spooky <laughs> and shadow and like ninja and zion and i'm like i get it but and but the most preposterous is, is when i mean sometimes people will like call themselves like like you know various uh permutations of jesus and uh it's clear that that's kind of like a part uh, or a symptom uh of uh some like low-key god complex right illusions <laughs> of grandeur <laughs> right. But, you know, it's OK, because sometimes that's what keeps the human spirit afloat. And I think sometimes that's necessary. I, I, I truly do things that think that that's OK, you know, as long as it's not hurting people, as long as it's not, um, you know, getting in, in the way of other people's own delusions. Because uh, as uh, I've discussed quite often uh, with a number of people, including my psychiatrist, um he likes to talk about it a lot that uh that, you know everyone 
is possessed by delusions. It's a matter of whether our delusions, um, you know, function with the general consensus of objective reality. I feel like. Right. You know, right. um, that's, we have to have boundaries and structure on a certain level. But, you know, I, I think, you know, live and let live applies to us to a, a very broad degree, except for when it comes to hurting people. Like, especially like, you know, I just feel like there's uh, been this epidemic. If the, you know, the, the media loves to use the mainstream media, excuse me, uh, loves to use the words. Uh, pandemic and epidemic to describe things like the opioid crisis, for instance. Right. If I'm going to use the word pandemic to describe anything, it's going to be the systematic, widespread use of um, weaponized trauma and mind control. Um, and and. If anyone thinks that's not like a crazy conspiracy theorist, that's cool. That's I understand. Uh, it's it's hard to swallow. When I say mind control, I don't mean, you know, I'm not really talking about like satellites beaming into fillings in your teeth. I'm talking about um, social engineering and right. and you know uh, programming people into vice for the purpose of essentially, you know. I, I hate to use the uh, the lemmings off the cliff analogy because, as we now know, that uh, the film with the lemmings going off the cliff, uh, they were led off a cliff intentionally for the sake of the shoot. Uh, well, so, that's what's happening. I mean, that's the perfect analogy. Yeah, actually, it is. You know, now that you mention it, <laughs> because the the movie, I believe the filmographer um, led the Lemmings off the cliff himself to shoot that in order to demonstrate that that is actually the perfect. <laughs> and then there go the Lemmings right after him. Because because Lemmings don't naturally do that. And he gets the, the shot, man. Right, and that's see, I feel like that that is a spot on. That's wow, I, that's weird. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just feel like that's kind of what's happening and it, it disturbs me a lot of, uh, seeing a lot of people around me embrace, um, senseless debauchery. Not that I think there's a problem with debauchery every once in a while. I mean, depending <laughs> as long, okay, look, as long as it's consenting adult, I don't think there's a problem with debauchery. Okay. At all. Um, but it, you know, not senseless debauchery is a, a different story but that i'm not trying to moralize anything this is like a tactical strategic thing for the survival of our species i feel like or at least of our civilization but isn't, um, isn't that the problem with consensual debauchery is that it tends to spill over like yeah you can yeah, get caught up in it and then other people and, and, do and get involved so it's tough debauchery <laughs> right that's the thing about that and that's why you know, I don't consider myself conservative. I'm certainly not alt-right. In fact, I'm not really right about most things most of the time, but I'm usually wrong. I'm I'm alt-wrong, but but I'm certainly I'm not right. Uh, I'm not right-wing. I never have been. Um, not really. I don't consider myself left-wing. I used to be more like avidly left-wing, but now I'm just more just seeking the truth, regardless of what uh what what side right. says what, what happened to common sense right yeah i guess it thomas Paine wrote it and people don't read it anymore i don't even i don't know how much i trust thomas Paine anyway but, uh, oh, a different time anyway <laughs> what's that it was a different yeah. time 
For sure, absolutely. <laughs> common sense was was different then. I mean, the, the common folk were different. But um, I guess you know the thing about that when you said about uh, the, the thing you said about debauchery spilling over. Um, I think that's why it's important right now, especially amidst this crisis with uh, Jeffrey Epstein. I think it's crucial that we as a society set, we examine and set firm boundaries. I mean, we decide, you know, I mean, we, you know, I just, I don't want our society personally, and this is just me personally, I'm not a politician, I'm not a philosopher, really, I'm not like any kind of, I'm just a person, I'm a human being, and I just think that in the past, throughout history, when it spills over specifically to children and children start being involved in debaucherous activity and bacchanalian activity, that tends to be when empires begin to collapse and, you know, we look back and we're like, oh, man, that was that was weird, you know? Right. And I don't I don't want to be a part of that personally. That's me personally. And and and, you know, that's the only thing that like in terms of political ideology, I guess you could say that I, I, I'm passionate about. I'm I'm ideologically opposed to ideology, but. I do, the only, like, one of the only firm, solid beliefs I have is that innocent life deserves protection, you know, and, and when I'm, when I say, I mean, you know, the, I'm not even trying to get into issues of abortion, that's not even my business, because I don't have a womb, but when I say innocent life, I mean innocent life walking around, you know, right, or, or baby, you know, born baby, right. I'm not trying, I'm, this is not, I'm not trying to make this a partisan issue. I just think we can all agree on that. Like, I mean, except for people who can't, and I don't know how. I really don't know the solution to dealing with with pedophilia. I, I can't even pretend to know the solution. So, to to discuss the problem at length, it seems to just be to gripe and complain and be negative. I don't want. I don't want to do that. But it's just, especially in light of what just happened with uh, this this Jeffrey Epstein case um, being reopened, essentially, um, I think it's an important topic that needs to be breached and that a lot of people refuse to and and don't like to because it's uncomfortable. And honestly, I'm putting my my neck on the line, even opening my mouth about it because there are powerful people who would rather it just not be discussed at all. And if you'd like to excerpt this. I totally understand. No, just, no, and, and and here's the thing, and this is why I really like what I really like about your Instagram page, and what every time you post something, I'm like, I'm I'm there looking at it, and it's because you know where where I come from, the you know, sex trafficking is, you know, it's acknowledged, but it's not anything that like. I've experienced or, or known anybody or have, you know, been anywhere close to. So, like, there's kind of this disconnect, you know, yeah. where clearly, like, the, what I like looking in on that world that you look that you live in, you know, not to, like, like, I don't, I don't know, like, you are in this place, like, you've been, I, I don't know if you feel lucky, but I think that you you're in like you're there for a reason I feel, and I feel blessed yeah and, I feel blessed right and I think you're there to kind of like put this 
like send these images to people to, to to people that don't normally see these images like you and and you bring humor to it too so it's like you kind of you kind of diffuse the harshness and allow it to be the these these places to be witnessed and so like just because i've i've seen kind of the world through your lens i as you're talking and you're getting i can feel the passion in what you're saying i'm able to put myself there just because i've i've seen the world you live in but i think most of the people who like me who follow me you know that don't live in that world and so that's like it's i think it's really important for us to be connecting so that like because now i'm feeling what you're feeling and it's like oh shit man it is a real thing you know yeah and like i said you know and i don't mind putting my neck on the look knock on wood i'm not giving anyone permission for anything and if something crazy would happen <laughs> everyone knows now uh, 11.8 thousand people at least know that you know it was kind of weird that I talked about something on Open Lines Radio, and then I, I you know, I, a boating accident. I, I don't particularly like to go fishing, so if I drown off the side of a fishing boat, that's weird, guys. <laughs> Just letting you know. But no, really, um, yeah, I do, and I think that's uh, why where I am is such a unique place, because New Orleans has a history since its inception, being a port city uh, near the mouth of the Mississippi River and having and also at, you know feeding into the Gulf it it, uh, it has so much and, and just all the waterways around just it, it it's a very and now the the infrastructure um, which they they are adding a lot of crime cameras but the problem about this whole thing is I mean there are people in positions of power who at the very least turned a blind eye and I, i'm glad you liked that uh you um, I, excuse me <laughs> i like that you uh added that i kind of diffuse it through humor because forgive me if i'm paraphrasing but i believe it was oscar wilde who said uh, if you're going to tell people the truth make them laugh or else they'll want to kill you <laughs> <laughs> and uh i really really i like i'm 20 I, i'm actually i turned 26 uh let me see in six days so, you know, I'm trying to turn 26 and maybe even 27. <laughs> maybe I can join the club. No, knock on wood. Uh, but anyway, you know, this stuff is important. And, you know, I've seen some, some things that because I don't have video or photographic evidence, and I'm not talking about I've seen things behind closed doors because I wouldn't they know that I wouldn't walk into any open doors to close behind me. But I'm talking about things that I've seen in the dead of the night out in the middle of the street that and i've since purchased a, a dash cam so hopefully i will be able to capture some footage but i believe since that i've witnessed it and and talked about it to a few people um steps have been taken to make sure that i don't see certain similar things but I, i've seen some some things that if i told you about i would probably sound like a i I'd sound fucking crazy, just to be frank. I'm not sure if I can. I would sound very, very uh, disturbed, probably psychotically delusional. Or, at the very least, I've seen some things that I just don't even want to discuss because thinking about the mental imagery that goes into them, like what I saw, despite the fact that it was in passing, it was like a glimpse Um well, we don't we don't need to be triggering trauma. 
Right. And I, I, but but and I, I'm not I'm I, it's not even about that for me. It's just about uh like I don't have picture evidence and I'm not going to talk about it, but it's just things that are happening actively and um you know, I feel like there in fact, recently a neighboring parish, St. Tammany Parish, uh, which is on the north shore of New Orleans, of, of Lake Pontchartrain. <clears throat> um, so that comprises the area in Louisiana of Mandeville, Covington, Slidell, and uh, a few other small cities. But it's on the highlands of uh, New Orleans, or essentially. Um, and it, it's, uh, if you know about the, the longest bridge i believe in america it's the twin span the causeway and uh that's that spans the Ponte, lake Ponte drain it's uh it's about a 30 minute drive down like one just flat bridge um but anyway uh the sheriff uh, the former sheriff ex- excuse me of that parish just recently got uh indicted for uh, extreme child sexual abuse and child pornography charges. So uh, he's in really hot water over that, and I have a feeling that's just another part of this uh, this house of cards that's falling right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, the uh, I, I don't I don't know how much you know about about tarot, but there's this card uh, called the Tower. Yes. And. Uh, it, and, and and basically the, the 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 moral of the tower card is the it's the building's toppling you're not going to stop it so just get out of the way and i think going back to debauchery if you can recognize that the consensual debauchery has spilled over <laughs> into non-consensual debauchery and you see the tower beginning to fall like really all we can do is like i mean the ones who who have been you know awakened consciously can get out of the way you know i mean and and try to pull as many of your friends and family out with you but but mm. it's the things it's coming down and like you can see mm. it coming down and it's like what do you do about it how do you stop this this nonsense yeah i don't know that you can I, yeah i often feel like chicken little you know running around telling people that the sky is falling <laughs> You know, I mean, I understand that, you know, I guess Bob Dylan said it's a hard, uh, a hard rain is going to fall. But, you know, he said he sold his soul to the devil, too. So who knows? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. Very curious about Bob Dylan. He's an interesting character. But yeah, but by the way, the, the sheriff I was referencing for anyone listening, if you're interested and shout out to St. Tammany Parish uh, is Sheriff Jack Jack Strain. Um, if you Google Jack's Train, St. Tammany Parish, uh, or Covington, Louisiana, um, he was booked on rape and incest charges. Of course, I'm sure he'll get a comfy single cell, you know, be in protective custody the entire time, being that he's the former sheriff. Right. But, and, you know, that thin blue line is, it's really a thick blue line. I, I think the line has become thicker throughout the past decade. The, the blue line that's supposedly thin, you know? Well, it seems like all groups are becoming more closed off to all that's, outside opinion. And that's why yes. nothing's getting done. It's a divide and conquer. It's, it's a clear social engineering tactic. It's divide and conquer. They want people to pick factions. Um, and when I say they, I don't mean some monolithic entity. You know, I don't mean some fucking 
Leviathan necessarily, but I do mean that the collective agenda that civilization or the powers that be, say, have chosen, uh, they uh, have decided that, you know, they, it seems like they, they want to uh, reduce the population. That's what they say. But what is, is very clear is... Uh, is this this other agenda of just dividing us into these almost theatrical histrionic factions right. so that we're all infighting and then infighting within those factions so there becomes sub-factions of sub it's almost like fractal factions like there become sub-factions of sub-factions and then those people internally as individuals infight and it becomes this this sort of collective ego game where we just like writhe like I hate to use such a hackneyed metaphor but like crabs in a bucket right. it really is and you know I can see how it could serve the agenda of the powers that be because while we're all arguing about the, these things that some of which are very important pertinent issues and I do not mean to trivialize them you know and you know we can all probably name at least in social justice issues that are in the mainstream media that do deserve addressing, but are secondary to the primary root of everything, which I feel is systematic weaponized trauma that is uh, and also um, part of that is what some might call mind control or an extension of Project MKUltra. Uh, I don't want to speak too much on that because it's it's kind of speculative, um, but it involves fracturing the personality. You can't truly fracture a personality, is the truth. Um, that's why multiple personality disorder no longer exists, because we now understand that while they're anthropomorphized as personalities, someone who suffers from what is now known as disassociative identity disorder, and I've, I've met several of these people, uh, DID, um, they anthropomorphize their memory systems, which are fragmented through trauma, into personalities. Um, now, what a lot of people don't realize is, even though not everyone suffers from dissociative identity disorder on a clinical level, there are people with what are referred to and and I don't I'm not once again this is speculation I can't hand you a, a sheet of paper or sign that I couldn't testify this in court under penalty of perjury so <laughs> it's speculation and you know if there's one thing I know that these people whoever they are um, hate it's what they call rumors um, but this is not a rumor this is this is speculation for the record I don't know if what I'm saying is like I said before I wasn't being facetious I'm often wrong but. The, these um, apparently there are a lot of people who walk around not knowing that they have programmed multiples is what it's called They're, because that's what people with um, are programmed alters you know, like alter egos um, that's right. what people who have clinical dissociative identity disorder call their um, alternate memory systems because the mind is it's not so much like a computer as like an organ and this weaponized trauma treats it as if it's some sort of computer programming um and it's, it's not and it doesn't and that's why 
Um, there have been a lot of so-called defectors um, or people who have, uh, in their own words, deprogrammed themselves or helped to deprogram themselves and others. Um, I'm not sure, you know, because I, I don't think I've ever been that. But, but, hey, I could be so deep into it that I just don't know myself that I'm a, uh, a current you know, suffer or uh, that I'm currently suffering from mind control. For all I know, I could have program multiples, but I, I don't think I do. Uh, I've examined it very thoroughly. I've explored my mind. I'd like to think I know myself pretty well, but you never know. Um, I do know that this is a process that begins prenatally. It begins before. Uh, it begins in in the womb um, through trauma, like um, traumatizing the baby while it's still in the womb, through various means, loud noises, lights, sometimes blows to the the uh, womb itself. But uh, you know, I'm not trying to get into the specifics so much as the fact that I think that this is something that deserves priority over other issues that actually happen to stem from it in the first place. I think this, this system of weaponized trauma has created such a rift in our society that there almost needs to be a moratorium on everything else until we can address it firmly. Because unless we as a collective, and as a collective, I mean, like, as this is not a partisan issue. This isn't, this is not about you know, who voted for who or anything about that or who voted for what or, you know, any other beliefs aside, I think we can all agree that to alter the human mind before it even has the chance to develop naturally and organically is fundamentally a problem. <laughs> right. I, right. I mean, not, there are a lot of people who would disagree with me, and that's okay. But I, I just feel like that's common sense. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what everyone's always saying: is we got to, we've got to face, or we've got to address mental health. All these other issues stem from mental health, but yet nobody ever addresses it. And and that's the problem: is that I think the reason it's not being addressed is because these quote unquote mental health problems are. That synthetically are synthetically imposed upon people, and to address them fully would be to blow the lid. But, but to say we, these need to be addressed almost satisfy almost you know okay well at least it's it's almost it's being addressed just by saying we need to address them and then not actually addressing them kind of puts right. people at ease too. It has a placating effect. Right. right. Yes. You're so correct. You're absolutely it does, and that's unfortunate because. Like you said, the mainstream media is just, I mean, it's not about the truth. It's about weaving narratives, which is great if the narratives are truthful and comprehensive. Right. But if you're weaving me a fairy tale narrative and I'm trying to watch the news, like, please don't insult my intelligence. You right. Know? right. And, the, and the thing is, too, is no matter w which mainstream media outlet you're watching or taking your news in from, it's all made up both you know all sides are they're weaving their own narrative and and really none of them are stemming from truth right yeah none of them um it, the, you might find a grain of truth if you watch each network's take on a story but when i do that i then complement that with 
as much raw material as I can. As in, okay, say there's like a, a video video footage of, you know, I say this is, you know, I, I would recommend this to anyone. Um, you know, a lot of people, it's been recently proclaimed since uh, the wave of school shootings. And this is another thing that, once again, might make me sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist, but I'm not I'm not making any um, suppositions here. I'm simply giving a little bit of advice. A lot of people have said when school shootings happen, it's wrong to even look at, at who the shooter was or examine his life because uh, that's glorifying them and playing into what they want. So therefore, you should just, you know, we should completely ignore it. Their name shouldn't even be published this that and the other well that is an obfuscation that is a very comfortable saccharine explanation as to why they don't and by they i mean the people who said it the mainstream media and whoever paid them or influenced them to say that because i remember that was a very common narrative around i want to say like 2015 to 2016 maybe um was that we shouldn't give we shouldn't even publish the names i believe even obama was saying something about how we shouldn't publish the names of school shooters um not that i think that you know glorifying school shooters or serial killers in any capacity is is acceptable um you know all these people who you know uh venerate charles Manson and such they kind of sicken me but I do think that it's important to examine who these people were. For instance, um, with the uh, the school shooting, with uh, the Parkland shooting, with Nicholas Cruz, I believe his name was. Um, I went. And I watched his full interview, um, his full interrogation, and also I watched the uh, the full raw footage of his arrest through. I guess it was body cam footage, or maybe someone from the media was filming it. Um, and I advise anyone listening to, if you're very, if you're interested in the conspiracy theory surrounding school shootings, or if you're interested in, in maybe seeing, if you've heard anything about mind control and, and have any interest in maybe exploring that rabbit hole, I would advise anyone to, uh, to look into both the raw footage of the Parkland school shooters arrest and his subsequent interrogation um, interview um, in which he uh, he appears to switch between various modes, shall we call it, which human beings do, and especially in an emotionally volatile situation. And granted, you know, he, he did have a rough upbringing and some mental illness, but Usually, um, it's funny when you look into a lot of these these things. A lot of the people involved, both the victims and the perpetrators, um, have military background, and I just find that interesting. Yeah, you know, and and that's all I'm gonna say um, because I'm not trying to spread rumors. I'm not trying to have people running around like chickens with their head uh, cut off, and I'm certainly not trying to spread fear, uncertainty, or doubt. But you know. Fear can be a healthy adaptive survival mechanism in the right context. Right. Uncertainty is honestly, I live in a constant state of uncertainty myself because I mean, I'm, I'm certain of 
my morals and principles, but other than that, you know, I mean, life surprises me on the daily. So, right. What what is any of this? <laughs> yeah, and and as for doubt, I mean, if you don't have doubt for, um, say, the the narrative that the mainstream media is weaving when it comes to five G and the fact that you know I, I've had tech friends of mine who I went to high school with, uh, I went to a, a boarding school in North Louisiana, it's a public boarding school called uh, Louisiana School for Math, Science, and the Arts. I uh, I got kicked out four weeks before graduation for smoking weed. Uh, it's a long story, but I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and, it's, you know, ironically, it's the only reason I actually graduated, it's the only reason I actually graduated, because my teachers, instead of letting me take my finals, just gave me the grades that I already had, <laughs> and I had not studied for those finals, and they were like three days from that day. or Well, no, they were, I guess they were like a week or two from that day, so I would have been screwed anyway. So I'm glad I actually I still got a diploma um, by the grace of God. Uh, nice. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's cool. It was funny because it wasn't even that I got caught smoking. Um they had what's called uh, in loco parentis, which means in Latin, like in lieu of the parent's presence. Uh, it's a legal term that means they take on all parental authority, including the ability to look through my personal effects. And my then girlfriend had just texted me, "Hey, um, we had we didn't have co-ed dorms. We had you know a guy's dorm, a girl's dorm." My then girlfriend had said, "Hey, I just hit." I just hit the ball, and I'm about to come to your dorm. So the head of the dorm saw that in my phone. Oh, and my affects, and of course, you know, I had a grinder. I, honestly, he didn't even look through it. I just I just showed him where everything was. I was like, at this point, I'm not going to waste your time. I mean, obviously, you know, you you know I have things, so it's whatever. Um, and just gave it to him, and, you know. But it all worked out. Yeah, it all worked you out. You still but got I, the piece of paper, and you gave a big middle finger to the system. <laughs> it's, funny. it's funny how life works out. Sometimes. But uh, the funny thing about this, uh, the, the school, I went to school with a bunch of very bright people, but I find that the mainstream media has skewed them, like you said, into factions. And one of my friends went from, he went to Rochester Institute of Technology, then came down back to Baton Rouge and finished off at LSU, and then moved back to New York City moved to L.A., and he's back in New York, I believe in New York City again. And um, he was recently arguing with me that there is absolutely no danger, essentially insinuating that, if not, I mean, he didn't say it outright, but he certainly insinuated through a series of tweets that I was being uh, technologically hysterical because I objected to the fact that uh, our local water towers have 5G panels all up and down them. Uh, Gwen wind panels, uh, which stands for Ground Wave Emergency Network, program that's since been discontinued. Worried about 5G, why don't you go... Hello? Are you there? It cut out for a second. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's funny. That's weird that it cut out at yeah, that point. Yeah, it cut um, out. It could cut out. It cut out right when you started talking about that tower. Okay, so the, oh, that's very funny. Um, so these 
this water tower, a local water tower, has 5G panels all up and down the tower, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I took a picture of it and posted it on Twitter saying, like, this cannot be healthy for the water. Like, I mean, maybe I was like, I, you know, that's not even what I said. I said, I just have a visceral feeling that this is just bad. I didn't even say, like, it's going to poison the water supply or something. You know, I wasn't being hysterical. I wasn't um, approaching it from some crazy chicken little, you know, conspiracy theorist viewpoint, despite the fact that my Twitter handle is conspiranoid. So I could, you know, I, that, I did point that out to him when he said uh, that, you know, I was being wildly speculative. I was like, I mean, look at my name on Twitter, you know. <laughs> but um <laughs> he uh he was like good point but before that he, he was just like you know the sun's rays are more harmful and toxic to you than 5g radiation so if you're so worried about 5g you'd be better off just smearing yourself in spf constantly and just never going outside and i'm like okay the sun is a giant organic celestial being or celestial body excuse me if you could edit that, that would be great. I said, okay, the sun is a giant organic celestial body. 5G radiation towers are little man-made panels. I have no choice. I can't take the sun away or I'll die. But I don't need that just just a little faster data. I can do without that to not have that shit around my water. Thank right. you very much. Right. You know? And and he was just debating me on on essentially what boiled down to semantics. I guess you could call it pedantic if if I was trying to be like super semantic. <laughs> but but the point is, it, it like I realized, and this isn't the first encounter I've had on Twitter. I've had several of my uh, my mutuals on, on Twitter unfollow, which I don't I don't care about Twitter followers or whatever, but. I mean, these are friends that I went to high school and used to, you know, smoke cigarettes with at the uh, university. But we were on a university campus and used to smoke cigarettes with them. And, you know, we go back over 10 years now and they will have a falling out with me because I I won't buck to the whims of this. Essentially what I I just got to call it what it is, just ideological uh just nonsense is right. the most polite way I can say it. Well, this friend, is he in an, in, does he work in an industry? Does he make money from an industry that could benefit from that? He's yes. He's a coder. He's a programmer. He's, he's in the tech industry. So yeah, it's I mean, usually people who financially benefit from harmful things that defend the harmful things. Yeah, but you know what's funny? When I met this guy, I'm not going to say his name, but I mean, anyone can go read on my Twitter and probably figure this out. Um, when I met this dude, now granted, he was 16 years old. I was 15, maybe, no, yeah, I was 15. And uh, we were just talking, this is our first conversation ever. We are talking about what we wanted to do when we, we got older. And he was like, you know what I want? All I want in life, I want to get enough money to get a remote island and just have acres and acres and acres and acres of the best cannabis plants ever grown. And I want to just devote my life to that. And now <clears throat> he's programming and compiling and driving, driving himself hysterical through technology. <laughs> and I'm like, man, fuck. 
Linux did it to you, man. <laughs> Linux did it to you. <laughs> really though, oh. it's sad. It's and you know I'm I myself. What am I doing right now? I'm talking to you on Skype. I'm sitting here full of of all kind of internet radiation, and I love it. You know, yeah. um, I, you know I I can't say that. You know, I'm not exactly Ted Kaczynski here. Is what I'm getting at. Right, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he uh, that the the the, the Neil Luday thing. When I was a senior in high school, I I did look into it. I read the whole manifesto and and uh, you know thought about it. Um, and it makes sense, and it seems like it's panning out exactly. It's almost like you know a more uh, direct less uh stylized version of 1984 and you know that's that's just essentially what what's happening right i remember i was i was uh like 13 no no, no i was 11 years old i just read 1984 i was watching my dad watch uh cnn dick cheney was on cnn maybe carl rove too but i think it was i know it's dick cheney i remember seeing his scowling face and i looked at my dad my dad's a little older he was like at the time when I was 11, probably in his early 50s, I was like, Dad, when when is, like, the stuff in 1984, is that going to, like, happen? And he, like, looked me in the eyes. He was like, it already has. <laughs> and I just, like, started tearing up. Just, like, went in the other room and just cried. I was like, no, what? Right. And I, no, I just think of that now. And I'm just like, man, now I just laugh at it because what are you going to do? You know, what we I mean? we carry around these tracking devices in our back pockets. We do it willfully. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm I'm talking about it. I still, uh, you know, as long as I have, if I if I'm making you know any sort of, um, it's just I, I can get a flip phone, but I feel like even those are advanced enough to have tracking devices. I just feel like it's inescapable, and to try to is not the solution. I feel like that's honestly like jumping ship or, you know, it's kind of like comparable to uh shout out to good old George Bush senior. Uh, I don't know if you know this about him. He, uh, he was on a fighter pilot with two other men and the ship started to go down and he could have saved them all, but instead he just parachuted out and let them plunge to their death. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah, did you know that on like a, like 60th anniversary or something, he went skydiving? Oh, which is like, I didn't really? know that. Yeah, that's the weirdest part. <laughs> Let me fact check myself and make sure I'm absolutely correct on that because, um, yeah, skydiving and not on his 90th birthday he went skydiving. Which like, think about it. That's the that for me like just the little the survivor's guilt that I have, and I don't. I haven't been through that many traumatic things that I have, and I've survived some things that other people haven't, like direct tragedies, and I'm very grateful, but sometimes survivors go as a part of grief and trauma does creep up on me, and I have to remind myself often by just like talking to loved ones. You know, if anyone else is dealing with survivors go, I recommend you talk to loved ones because that's the best thing you can do to get over it is realize like it was not your fault, whatever happened that you got through and other people didn't get through. It's not your fault that you got through you were, you were blessed to have gotten through or you're at least lucky um but so knowing the survivorship that i have and dealing with that because it's part of my ptsd and given that he was in a fighter pilot 
I mean, he was a, he was a fighter pilot. He was in a fighter jet. He nearly died. And then he goes for his 90th birthday. He decides. I mean, like, what kind of closure is that? Is that even closure? Well, well I don't know. You also have to. I I don't know that. I mean, you talk about like the the people who seem to be in power are also programmed. Like the like these right these people definitely. who we consider being in power are even more programmed than we are. Like there's there's the complete disconnect. You're so right, man. That's a, actually a very valid poignant point because you know it's that it's that whole they know now what they do type thing not that i think that excuses them of culpability but you're it explains it at least right, you know right because uh, it did it it uh can, he wait, wait wait excuse me i'm sorry he went for he goes skydiving regularly he went for his 75th birthday and then he uh, went again for his 80th, and then again for his 90th. <laughs> so several so he times. Must really like it, man. <laughs> maybe um, maybe that's his form of quote. Yeah, several times. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to know, and I'll go and look into this later. But I don't um, if he was in the military first, or if he was initiated in the skull and bones first. I would be very, very interested to know that. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. Just from my own personal personal curiosity and you know once again like i'm not i'm not here to sow uh confusion because i don't know what the fuck is going on any more than anyone else does i truly don't think i do but i do know that curiosity killed the cat and satisfaction brought him back and <laughs> so I'm, I'm seeking answers man. and you got you've got nine lives to work with yeah and i like to i, I like to so seeds of curiosity, if anything, you know, because curiosity can lead people to discovery and, you know, self-discovery, I think is the most, the the fast-tracked enlightenment, or at least to self-empowerment and actualization. I mean, fuck enlightenment. Everyone's worried about enlightenment and transcending yourself. Uh, why not know yourself first, love yourself, and then you will organically, I, I, this is my personal experience, I think in the process of learning to love myself and know myself, I feel myself growing into a better me. So, like, I guess that's transcendence. I don't know. I'm not I'm not trying to get all astral or anything. I'm just saying, like, personally, I think the best way for me to, to get into higher states of consciousness without chemicals um, is to just embrace my humanity as much as possible and that's something that our culture suppresses uh to the point of actually it doesn't it, re, it well i don't know if it's repressive or suppressive i guess that's a semantic issue but it definitely f damn near forbids the embrace of one's own humanity that is that's it's like restricted feeling especially negative feelings Right. And then and then people repress these negative feelings and they come out sideways in the worst conceivable ways when if they would just express the feelings and get it over with acknowledging that as human beings, we're all animals, we're all mammals, and we're going to have these instinctual cues that might make us do things that are uncivil, but it's a lot better to blow up on someone and to to be a jerk than to blow up on someone and fire a gun in their face because you've resisted being a jerk every day for the last 
60 years of your life, you know? Right, right. I feel like that happens to people. They'll, they'll, they'll go 60 years of their life, you know, trying to be a nice guy, and then one day they'll just go postal. And, and I just think that's insane. Whereas, like, it's so much easier for me, even if I have to just be alone in my car and be like, oh, like, this sucks. <laughs> and, you know, like, and, I, and also acknowledge, like, think about it, like, the, the metacognition behind that being like, oh, this sucks, but why does this suck? Like, why am I feeling this? And the answer sometimes is just simple as, well, I'm a, I'm a human and I have a fucking human brain and, you know, it just is what it is. Like, right. cool. You know, it's like, it's like self-forgiveness. Self-forgiveness. It's, like, it's like when you can find a friend that will just let you vent without trying to give you advice. And then exactly. you just, you just, just by speaking it, you realize it's not a big, sometimes, sometimes you just need to say it to realize it's not as big of a deal as you're making it in your head. Yeah. I think it's important that everyone finds a friend within, you know? I think, uh, you know, it's important to, everyone's talking about Bay nowadays, you know, <laughs> new, like millennial, or, like Zoom, whatever they call it, the new generation, Zoomer acronym, whatever fucking kind of thing it is, Bay, before anyone else, right? Before anyone else, yeah. Stands for, I say be your own bae. Be before <laughs> anyone else. Don't be selfish or greedy before anyone else. I mean, you know, family's important. The people around you can be, your community is important, matter of fact. You know, like, we are an independent species. But be there for yourself because otherwise you can't be there for anyone else. I mean, right. I, I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir here talking to you. But I'm saying for anyone listening, if you're struggling and thinking like, oh, there's no one in the world for me. Yes, there is because you wouldn't even be having that thought if it weren't for the fact that there is someone in the world for you. And that person is you. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, people can't realize. It's true. Like, loneliness is an epidemic, but you don't have to be alone to be lonely. I know so many people who are surrounded by people and they still constantly feel lonely. Or they might be in a relationship and still feel lonely. Like, loneliness is a state of mind cultivated within i truly believe that and it's a matter of whether you're willing to connect to your own humanity and then allow that self-compassion to then radiate from you and and connect with others or if you're just trying to you know just let it consume you let your anxiety is your i feel like anxiety and depression like this whole like anxiety and depression being a meme thing i don't know if you're familiar with that yeah it's all over social media. They, you know, they have. I've literally seen shirts that say like, "I'm anxious and depressed." Like, I'm like, why would you wear a sweat, a hoodie that reinforces that? Yeah. Why, why not, not like work on that? Maybe. I... By deal with them, I don't mean get over. Oh, did we I cut? Lost, we lost connection again. <laughs> Lord. Okay. What, what's the last again? Um, okay, so I think the reason that anxiety uh, and depression are being so heavily pushed in our uh, in our contemporary pop culture is that it's much easier to typecast the negative feelings that you're having and pigeonhole them into these easy labels uh, and to just slap them on a hoodie or something than to actually deal with them. Right. And by deal with them, I don't mean get over them. I mean immerse yourself in them. Feel the feeling, feel the pain. Sometimes, you know, that's another thing. Our culture is so addicted to narcotizing ourselves. And I don't just mean heroin. I don't just mean 
weed. I don't just mean alcohol. I mean, I smoke weed. Hell, you know, I'm, I'm not against that. Um, I'm, you know, I, I used to be uh, an opioid addict, and I'm, I'm coming up uh, this month. I'm three years clean. So, oh, nice. You know, congratulations. I, I, oh, dude, my congratulations is being alive. Seriously, like, I, I'm very glad that I've, uh, like, thank you. I appreciate it, but, like, I'm just, I thank God every day, you know. Um, and I don't mean a bearded sky wizard, to clarify. <laughs> like, I, no offense to anyone who does actually conceptualize God as that. That's okay. It's just not, when I refer to God, it's just shorthand for, like, the interconnectedness of all things, coupled with, like, human consciousness as a whole. Or something like that. I don't know. I don't know actually what God is at all. It's pretty much a shorthand for everything I don't understand. Right. I, I, I understand. That's my, yeah, that's my conception of God, just for anyone curious. Um, I, I don't know. Um, but when I say God, I'm not talking about like, you know, I'm not trying to proselytize uh, on your on your platform. For, <laughs> for no anyway, worries. No worries. Hey, I want to switch gears a little bit because I want to talk about this before we run out of time here. Absolutely. I want to talk about uh, real nice people. Oh man, I'd love to. <laughs> Can um, you uh, put into words what that actually is? Yes. Okay. Uh, so it started um, the origin story behind real nice people and the name, how the name came about, um, is I was in Baton Rouge. I was 17 years old. This was my summer before my freshman year. I just got, like I said, kicked out of high school, and I was going to summer school at LSU, uh, at, at Louisiana State University. I, I said it in a very southern accent. <laughs> Forgive me. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I you are who you are. Formally in a I, yeah, but I can speak formally. I just haven't in a very, very long time. So it's I'm I'm having to like linguistically transcode a little bit just for for everyone's um benefit <laughs> but uh so i was in tigerland and uh it was like it was a it was a dense summer night and i don't know if you've ever been into one of those or maybe seen it in like a movie or something but these like old like run down apartment complexes that have maybe like three or four units um and then they don't have doors they just have a breezeway and in that breezeway was like one fluorescent strip and a mailbox and above the mailbox, scrawled on the wall, you know, it was a community mailbox, so it was like a bunch of little mailboxes. But above that was written in either fake blood or, like, red paint. Maybe real blood. I'm not sure which one. Uh, honestly, it's probably red paint. It's probably just kind of like a, you know, a sardonic joke. But it said, real nice people. And uh, and I asked my my buddy Sammy. I was smoking a blunt. He was sitting on the steps, and we were just smoking a blunt, looking out like into the evening, because it, it was a real pleasant evening. And um, you know, in Louisiana in the summer, you kind of like gotta find a nice spot to not sweat through all your clothes. So I was just like, Sammy, what's real nice people just like walking around, kind of? And uh, he just looked at me and cracked his smile. And he's like, Oh, you know, real nice people, like real nice. People. <laughs> and I was like, I kind of like narrowed my eyes. I was like, come on, man, what? Like, and he's like, ah, oh, you know, it's real nice people. He wouldn't say it. He wouldn't tell me what it was, but it stuck with me. I took a picture of it and it stuck with me. Unfortunately, I've since lost that picture, by the way. If I ever can find a, a copy of it on the internet, maybe it's in my email archives or something, I'd love to find the original picture of that graffiti. But 
it stuck with me. It stuck with me. It stuck with me. And like, I wound up. I was like, that's going to be what I'm going to call this sort of loose platform slash collective. Um, it's it's a non-hierarchical. Um, basically, it's it's an organization that only exists in the moment. When real nice people is not doing something, publishing something, if you're not listening to something that's uh, been produced by real nice people, or it's it's not uh, you're not using a product, then real nice people just for all practical respects and purposes doesn't exist. It's not like uh, something that has like a roster of members or necessarily like a payroll. We have a tax ID, you know. I'm not trying to get in trouble with the IRS or anything, but um, it's it's essentially uh, a catch-all for everything that my wife and I do. Um, it's funny. It took me it took me a few years to find like an excellent companion, and uh, I'd actually I'd I'd love to have another interview at some point about specifically real nice people um when we get a little more to uh to talk about in terms of what we're working on right now or or, or once it's done i'd rather talk about it when it's done after the fact than when i'm working on it but you know we're we're basically right now we're in the process of working with a local screen printer um called cassette couture uh, you can follow Stoned Ape 504 on Instagram. He's my good buddy Ben, and uh, you can find from there Cassette Couture. He he basically we we're working with uh, classic New Orleans hip hop artists to produce these T-shirts um, with either classic album artwork or you know we have a number of ideas, but we already have some shirts. He he had sold some shirts before we got our, our screen printing machine, but we just got that in um so we as real nice people were designing clothing um we are working on sketch comedy uh and a youtube channel we're gonna start live streaming i just got like i told you i just got wi-fi so we finally have you know the ability to live stream whenever we want um we both make music uh i'm working on a rap project right now under the name of uh like i said sigh or psychedelia hates you and uh zoe is an amazing singer i mean i'm not she's gonna get mad at me if i talk about how good she, i can already see she's like blushing but <laughs> she's like uh she's really 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 good and um I'm not trying to brag on her too much. I'll let her work speak for itself. But um, the most important thing about Real Nice People that everyone should know is that it is an open door for anyone who needs a voice and rejects uh, like this this divisive ideology. Anyone who's willing to work toward unity and it's not some cult. Okay, I'm not. I'm not trying to like be a leader of anything like like i said this is a non-hierarchical thing just because just because i like came up with it doesn't mean that like i i want to like run it or something like it's that's that's why i don't even consider it to be an organization except when a tangible product such as a work of art is produced from it or a performance because in that moment you can say okay these are real nice people you know and 
as a matter of fact, um, this is the only interview that I'm not going to begin with. <laughs> we were just talking just logistics for the company this morning. It's funny that you mentioned this. And I don't ever plan on really having an interview where uh, we don't both say, you know, we're, we're and I've, so every time I've done a performance under that name, um, I saw recently Tom York came out with an album, Anima. Um, and I used to try to go by that stage name, but people would either call me Animal because they thought it was a typo, or they would call me Enema, um, which was even worse. Uh, so I decided to scrap that in like 2012, 2013, and just perform under real nice people, even though I was performing solo. And every time I'd get on stage, I would kind of look awkwardly into the crowd and make eye contact with everyone and say, we're real nice people, and we hope you are too. And that's kind of our, like, our uh, catchphrase, I guess you could say, our motto. But the funny thing about it is later I found out, years later after I moved away from Baton Rouge, I found out that what the original real nice people was. was uh, In Baton Rouge, they don't really have like like large-scale um, like organized street gangs. They have like low-level criminal organizations that operate, you know, kind of just sporadically and that, you know, come and go, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so real nice people were originally a group of criminals who would apparently like hide in the bushes in Tigerland and rob frat boys for their iPod or iPhones and, you know, whatever. So it's just funny that I took it and sort of flipped it on its head right, because right. when I say real nice, I mean like I, strive to be my my two main principles are just to be real to be authentic to be truthful to strive to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help me god and to be nice in that i'm courteous and you know just not nice in the sense that i'm um that i you know that i'm being conciliatory or that i'm you know um not nice in the sense of like a nice guy. I don't consider myself a nice guy, but nice in the sense of, you know, being courteous, being respectful, respecting other people's boundaries, simple things like that. And that's all that it takes to be real nice. Like this, it's not some, like you know, I, I the origin story is ironic and it's funny to me. Yeah, I love that. And that's why, I'm, yeah. So I, I sort of subverted this this thing that was used to. <laughs> to rob people basically to um to help people because just like you i mean with this this platform you've created i i think it's i, I gotta just take a second to say i have massive amounts of respect for you mark because this is this is just like what you've done like i've said before what i've seen this grow into open lines radio is just an incredible platform and like i have full faith in it and i i'm honored to to be able to have this conversation with you and, you know, I have similar ideas when it comes to, you know, free and open exchange and especially artistic collaboration. That's my big thing. So, I mean, Real Nice is essentially an interface with which to collaborate artistically with complete financial and spiritual just energetic equity. You know, in that... that you know, I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, he's getting more than me or, you know, like I want everything to be, you know, not it doesn't have to be like straight Marxist, but, it, <laughs> you know, it's equitable, you know, fair and and 
you know, basically uh, loosely strung enough to where there is no room for infighting, ironically, despite the fact that it's loosely strung. I, I think unity, just pure unity is the key. Striving to, like, like love that neighbor is, like, my <laughs> number one thing, you know? Right. Like, even yeah. if I don't like them, and there's a lot of people I don't like that I love and that I don't care if I don't like them. Like, I, I honestly, like, just ignore the fact that I don't like them because I love them, and, and who cares? It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you, man. Well, thank, well thanks so much, man. This has, been, um, this has been awesome, and I really think... I, I can't wait to collaborate more Same. with real I'm nice very, people. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. We both appreciate the, the hell out of that, man. I, I can't express enough my gratitude. Like, I'm I'm humbled. I truly am humbled today. I'm glad we finally got to uh, link up. Yeah, me too. Long time coming. <laughs> but uh, I hope you have a great afternoon and take care and uh, best of wishes and blessings to you and yours. All right, same, same. And uh, we'll, we'll talk, be talking to you soon. When the rambling days are over and the gambling days are through, when my rambling days are over and my gambling days are through, if you tell me that you love me, I'll be coming back to you.